Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas and welcome to week three in our Christmas series. Uh, We are um, just now a week away from Christmas. This episode will air on the 18th, which means next Friday is Christmas Day. And what a glorious celebration that is. And so, uh, we've probably announced it by now, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, we will be doing a joint episode uh, with uh, Chris from Ezra Reads the Law. He will join us for a Christmas Day um, episode, and we will be looking at the text in Luke chapters 1 and 2. Uh, we'll also probably look at Matthew 1 and 2 as well. So that is queued up to drop on Christmas Day. And uh, that will be available on both podcasts, his and uh, Undying Light. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be the Christmas Day special, if you would. And uh, there might be something else in store for you that week. But, you know, as I record this episode, I don't want to um, give any sort of glimpses or any sort of heads up. I kind of want it to be spontaneous. And I want it to be uh, just kind of out of the blue. And so it'll be a bonus episode. I will tell you that much, but I'm not going to give you any more details. So watch for your podcast feeds to update with a bonus episode from me. And if you didn't know who I am, my name is Alex. I am the host of Undying Light and the co-host of A Matter of Truth podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go and listen. Uh, Anthony and I have been cranking through uh, getting some recordings done, and I don't know where we will land with the December ones. We were, as as I'm recording this, it's the end of November, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we are still trying to hammer out some times with a special guest. So I'm praying that by the time this lands in your headphones or your car speakers or your wherever you listen to it 
that we have uh, already dropped the December 15th episode for you. So, as is, we are working through a, a short little Christmas series this year. Uh, nothing too deep, but we are looking at some interesting ways to understand the Christmas narrative story just a little bit better. And with that, uh, I do want to touch base on a few items um, before we dig into the text. And so I've been trying to keep the housekeeping um, topics to a minimum, mainly for your sanity <laughs> and, and my own. But uh, I do want to make sure that probably going into the new year, what we are going to transition from is the you know, opening, uh, ranting or, um, babbling, if you would, by me. And I am going to introduce the show. Um, and then we will do the show. And then maybe halfway through, I'll actually insert a commercial. And then I will uh, cut for a pre recorded commercial. So I'm thinking that might be a better way to do it. Uh, instead of just taking a few minutes at the beginning of the episode, because a lot of people say they don't necessarily care to listen to the first few minutes because it's always the same. So with that said, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. Not really. It doesn't. But I know what you guys are getting at. I want to get right to the content just as much as you do. Um, and it would be different if I had a co-host that we could, you know, banter back and forth a little bit. But it's just me. And it's a little hard to talk to myself and banter with myself. So that's unentertaining. And therefore, I don't want to take up too much time before getting too deep into the text. So what I am looking at is this uh, idea of creating like a commercial and uh, and inserting it in the show. And then uh, that way it doesn't take up too much time in the beginning of the show. And so I'll probably put a poll out on Instagram. So, you know, if you have the opportunity, um, make sure you look for that and vote on that because it will actually probably already be done by the time this show airs because I want to get ready for New Year's soon. So as this series concludes, uh, January will be the kickoff to um, the New Testament portion of our eschatology series. We're going to look at the Olivet Discourse and uh, in the Gospels, and then we're going to look at a couple other pieces of text as well. And then we will um, go into some Pauline eschatology, and we will see how Paul looks at the end of times. And then we will be wrapping up with the book of Revelation, and we will try to unpack that as best as possible. And hopefully provide insight to how each of the four views uh, will read and understand Revelation. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be an interesting portion of that series. And then that'll wrap up and then we'll move on to uh, the next series. So I don't have a timeline yet, but hopefully as December wears on, we'll uh, I'll start mapping things out a little bit and we'll get kind of an idea. So the house cleaning items generally are the same, right? You can get your low, your undying light, merchandise, shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, bags from our store that is on my bio. It is bonfire slash undying light. 
Uh, you can access the direct link from that little link tree in my um, bio description, and it'll take you right to the merchandise that we have available if you want to buy some Undying Light gear, as well as the link to Logos Bible Software, because that is my primary tool for ministry. That's where I have all my digital content, and I have had some extensive conversations with people just on the benefits of the software, being able to have it on my computer and on my phone and be able to look up and just search for anything and everything with the drop of a hat. So fantastic software for that. And then as well, we are a listener supported ministry. So if you feel in your heart that you want to help support this ministry, we would be greatly indebted and blessed to have you join this community. And you can do so by becoming a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can have the access to all of the work that we do behind the scenes, and that includes early release on the podcast episodes, show notes if I write them, sermon notes, and school notes, and video content, and Q&As, and Bible study, and the list goes on and on. So uh, exclusive giveaways and all the sorts. So if you feel the need or the obligation or the desire to help support this ministry and you want to become a part of that family, you can find us on Patreon, Undying Light, and join for as low as a dollar or as much as you feel uh, in your heart to give. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are um, basically at the end now of the Christmas series, right? Because next Friday is Christmas. And so we are going to wrap up today uh, with the names uh, portion of this little series. And last week we looked at some of the prophecies uh, that we um, that point us to the birth of Christ, and today we're going to look at some of the Old Testament names that have been given uh, to the coming Messiah. Primarily focusing on um, Isaiah chapter nine, we are going to look at some of the text there. So uh, I will read Isaiah nine, and then we will um, look at in detail what it you know what are these individual names. And it's just uh, Isaiah 9, verses uh, 6 and 7. Verse 6 starts, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the prophecy goes on. But I kind of want to rewind just a little bit here because I want to set up some context for us. And I want to go back to verse two where this is started. And I want to read here these few verses. And verse two starts, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with a joy at the harvest as they are glad they are divide when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff of on for his shoulder the rod for his oppressor you have broken it as on the day of midian for the for every boot of the trampling warrior in a battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire and then the prophecy, obviously, of Christ here, the names given. And my primary focus, I just wanted to read that to provide context, but I also really want to focus here on these um, 
these names that are given as a description to Christ. And the first one we come across is Wonderful Counselor. And I am just, uh, I'm blown away here as we start to see these descriptions given to Christ even long before he walks this earth. I mean, these were hundreds of years before Christ comes. And these aren't just aimed at his mysterious essence, but this applauds his excellencies. And these are titles of who he is, what he does, his nature. These are his attributes, his titled attributes of who Christ will be. And these treasures are more wonderful than anything. And through that, we see the wonderful gift of salvation that he brings to us because we truly get to understand that he is the wonderful counselor. So really, what what does it mean when Isaiah calls the future Messiah the wonderful counselor? This is an indication of a character of who the coming king will be. The word wonderful in this passage literally means incomprehensible. He, the Messiah, will cause us to be full of wonder. And I, and I love that because as I sit and I, and I, I've been doing sermon prep all morning and I've actually been working on a final for a sermon class. And as I'm writing out my trans, my manuscript for it, I just can't help but sit in awe and wonder of the God that we serve. And that is exactly this point. Our Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the incomprehensible Messiah. We cannot even begin to fathom how wonderful he truly is this side of heaven. I mean, we get to see some of his mercy and grace in this life, but that's just a short glimpse. We can read history and we can see maybe a bit bigger scope of the mercy and and love that God has shown us, but even that is still just a small sample size. And this word, though, is much weightier than in the way it's used in just a normal conversation, right? We can say, ah, you know, that was just a wonderful meal, or it's a wonderful day out, or that person's so wonderful. You know, it's pleasant and lovely, uh, or just a little bit likable, I mean, it's, it's really a watered down, soft focused word. But Jesus is wonderful in a way that will just shatter and boggle your mind. The word wonderful used in Judges 13, 18, and the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name seeing as it is wonderful? This is given to Samson's father, who asked the Lord what his name was. And the angel of the Lord said, why do you ask? Seeing as it is wonderful. And and, and think about that. It's not just this blinking of momentary happiness or joy. The word wonderful to, to describe Christ is incomprehensible. It is fear driven and it is awe strucken. This word makes us bow our knees to the king that we serve. And I just, it makes me just 
it almost brings a tear to my eye because I love, I love looking at this because it truly starts to unpack who this little baby is. Wonderful counselor. And Jesus demonstrates his wonderfulness, right, to us in so many ways while he was on earth. We see that beginning with the conception in the womb of Mary the Virgin in Matthew 1, 23. He shows us that he is wonderful and he is powerful enough to heal. And we can catch that uh, all throughout the Gospels. But we see it really starting in Matthew 4, his amazing teaching in Mark, his perfect life from Hebrews and the resurrection from the dead in Mark 16, 6. I just, that alone, the resurrection, you know, my sermon I'm preaching as I record this episode this coming Sunday is first Sunday in Advent. And generally in the church history with Advent, it, it's a pointing, it's a season of celebration. It's the season that we uh, anticipate the birth of our Messiah. And it's always interesting that the first week of Advent is always a text on the end of times. And so tomorrow's text is uh, Mark 13, verses 24 through 37, and literally talking about the trumpet blast and Christ coming back when the sun darkens and the moon stops shining and the stars fall from heaven. And I, I that is another wonderful, right? I mean, our God is wonderful and f- powerful and awesome. And, and in that moment, we will truly see in awe the glory of our God. But I, I, I'm stricken here, right? Because we talk about all these wonderful things. But to truly understand this season of Christmas and the wonderful counselor that is to come, it's good for us to know what the end is like. And having the end in sight, we can celebrate and honor the birth of our Messiah. The birth of our Messiah. What a wonderful counselor we serve. What a wonderful God we serve that he has perfectly laid this all out for us. And everything, every domino falls into place. Every puzzle piece connects perfectly. There's not one missing or one out of place. This is such a wonderful and joyous season. And he brings so many wonderful things into our minds that are counterintuitive to the way we think, right? Blessed are those who mourn. As a reflection to the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn. When you experience grief and you experience um, hardship, persecution, suffering, when you mourn because of your faith in Christ, he gives you comfort, and he blesses you in that moment. Further on in Matthew, on the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us to rejoice and be glad in our persecution, as I was just saying, that those who are experiencing that, we are to rejoice. Everything that God is telling us is counterintuitive. Why? Because the way Jesus operates goes against the tides of this world. The world would tell us that if we mourn, there's something obviously wrong and we should go out and, you know, find satisfaction in, in removing that, that thorn in our side. Uh, if it's 
you know, the loss of a job or perhaps even the loss of a loved one, we are to go out and drown our sorrows in alcohol or uh, movies or TV addictions, porn, whatever your, whatever it is, whatever the escape is. If you're overstressed and you're just mourning away your life, go take a vacation and get away and refresh yourself and recuperate and you'll be okay. If you experience persecution and suffering, you, the world would tell us to hate those in that moment. The world tells us that we should be fighting back and that we should take charge and not stand for such tyranny. And Jesus tells us, rejoice and be glad. And further on, we'll see that Jesus tells us that we are to love our enemies and to do good to those who hate us. Jesus also tells us that if the world hates us, that's good because the world first hated him. And in a world that is so driven against Christ because of sin in the heart, we are to be joyful and glad because we are a part of what Christ is doing. Oh, man, that's just amazing. I love that stuff. The second part of the Messiah's title here is the word counselor. In ancient Israel, a counselor was portrayed as a wise king such as Solomon giving guidance to the people as we have record in 1 Kings 4 and in Micah 4.9. Isaiah uses this word again in the 28th chapter to describe the Lord. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Jesus is a wise counselor. He did not need any testimony from mankind. He knew what was in each person. He knew the heart. He didn't have to go around and ask people, hey, what is, you know, what, what is it, what is the town saying about this person or that person? Or can you tell me a little bit more details about yourself? He didn't go to the disciples and say, hey, I'm going to call you guys to me. And then tomorrow night, we're going to have a little Q&A session and I'm going to get to know you and you're going to get to know me. That never happened. Jesus knew everything. When he walked down the road, when he walked along the fish, the, the banks of the sea, and he called the disciples to him, and he called the fishermen to him, he knew well in advance exactly what it was going to be for each of them. John 2.25 says, And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. He's able to advise people Thoroughly, because he is qualified in ways that no human counselor is. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Paul writes to the church in uh, Colossians 2.3. According to all knowledge in human nature, the psalmist says, Jesus always knows what we are going through, and he always knows the right course of action, as Hebrews 4 tells us. I can't just help but sit in awe and wonder as I'm looking at this and just remembering as I, I did a, a, a smaller, very, very quick snapshot of these in a sermon series last year. And I can't help but just, just marvel at what it is these words point us to. What it is that we hear and can see 
and understand. And that to me is just, it's just amazing. Isaiah moves on and he tells us about Almighty God. This is a definitive, definitive statement that Christ, in fact, is God. He's going to be called Almighty God. This isn't just an attribute that's just tacked on, but this is a proper name for him. We are to trust in God, not man. As Jeremiah 17 says, cursed be he that trusts in man. He is therefore to be called Mighty God. And he is to be called Emmanuel. I love that word. We talked a little bit about that in the last last week's episode, right? Emmanuel, God with us. That's the prophecy that we are getting in Matthew 1. And it's because he is revealed to us to be truly man, truly God. Interestingly enough, a little bit of a segue on that, a tangent on that perhaps. I put a post up the other day on Instagram and uh, on the hyperstatic union, and I made the statement that God, uh, that Christ is fully God and fully man. And people like to debate, well, you know, he's actually truly God and truly man. Well, yeah, I agree to that. But I also agree that he's fully God and fully man. He's 100% man, 100% God. And I don't see how you could argue against either one of those. I think they both are descriptive and proper in the way they describe who the man, who the deity of Christ is in the human flesh. He will be called Almighty God. This is this is the prophecy right here that just sets it in stone. This is another notion to understand that this this baby to be born in a couple of weeks as we celebrate is in fact the son of the living God, Christ in the flesh, the word spoken. Mm. I just I just want to rest in that for a moment and just understand that this is this is such an amazing prophecy. For to us a child is born and he will be called everlasting father. In the context, this verse here, verse 6 in the ninth chapter of Isaiah, it's proclaiming the redemption of Israel and the activities, titles, and blessings of the Messiah who is to come and rule the earth and to usher in the reign of blessing and peace that will have no end. This is another title that we find here in this little wonderful segment of Isaiah. And again, there's many more scattered, right? I mean, these are just a few. We can do a whole series on the names of Christ and the names of God. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot out there. <laughs> and so we can use, we could do a whole series and that might be something we do in the future. Um, the names of God, we can do a whole series on that. But for this series and this little segment, we're just focusing on this verse and the names that come from it. The Hebrew phrase translated everlasting father could literally translate to father of eternity. And for this reason, some have suggested that the title means that this coming Messiah is also the creator of everything. He is the father of time and eternity, the architect of all the ages. Well, just a few minutes ago, we also talked about that this child to come will be called Almighty God. 
So if it is indeed Christ, the Son of God, then in fact, this is Christ, the Father of eternity. He is the God of all eternity. The Hebrew word translated everlasting is the idea in perpetuity to or without end. Indeed, the very next verse of the uh, of the Messiah, of the greatness of government and peace will have no end in, in uh, the seventh verse there of Isaiah. But this is this emphasis, right, is looking forward. So everlasting is a better translation than eternal uh, because then you start to get, you know, differences and meanings here, right, with eternal. Um, with, but everlasting, I feel, fits well. It only not only indicates that without an end, but it also indicates without a beginning. And we also see that uh, in the New Testament, we argue that the Messiah is without beginning as well. This isn't a phrase just coined up here from Isaiah. So the as everlasting father, the Messiah will be a father, and as his fatherhood will be without any end. Some have objected that this designation of father seems to confuse the roles within the Trinity. Um, seems to be something that often people can run into, right? With God the Father and God the Son, that calling Father the only one who's really the Son. So this is where we can get into some interesting debates, right? If Jesus Christ is, in fact, everlasting Father, then how do we... Um, pin this, if you would, in the architecture of the Trinity. Because some in the oneness movement that is anti-Trinitarian use this verse as a proof text that Jesus really is just the Father and that there is no unity, there's not a Trinity. In both cases, the interpreters are reading New Testament concerns back into the Old Testament Neither Trinitarian nor anti-Trinitarian concerns are being discussed in Isaiah 9-6. And, and I, I agree with this little statement, right? This is not a text that is displaying any um, Trinitarian or anti-Trinitarian concerns. This text does not uh, and should not be used as a proof text to oneness. It should not be used to um, position anything that would disrupt the um, triune God, and I just don't feel that this text has that type of uh, context to it. This text is pointing us to the description of the Messiah. Therefore, we will use everlasting Father in the light that Christ will have Father-like attributes, just as God the Father does as well. Because in the Trinity, that all three persons are individual. They are all distinct. They all have different functions, but they all share attributes. So many rulers in ancient times were, interestingly enough, to be considered the quote-unquote father of the country. And we can even use that term to kind of coin maybe George Washington here in the United States as the father of our country. And it was by Washington's leadership and uh, determination that um, led him and led us essentially to victory in the Revolutionary War. But unlike Christ, Washington died. 
and Washington is still dead. And at some point, the United States will end. And at some point, this country will have a different look, if by that point Christ hasn't returned yet. So even though these icons of the past would be declared the father of a nation or the, you know, or whatever it is, right? Washington really was one of the key figures. He wasn't the only, but he was one of the key figures in the American Revolution. And he was one of those who started and, and fought to uh, free us and establish this country. But it's interesting that this is, again, a momentary glimpse of time because we can look to the Psalms and say that it is God who raises up and tears down nations. And it is by God's sovereign hand that Washington was able to even do this. And it was by uh, God's sovereign hand that the signers of the Declaration of Independence were able to sign such a document. And then they were able to draft the Constitution and form this country. It was by God's sovereign hand. But when we say that Washington is the father of our nation, that's just a momentary title for him. But Christ is the father of all nations, the true father of all nations. He is the true king of all nations. And so, as he is everlasting father, his time has no expiration. It has no beginning. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And that is what we see his title really kind of point towards, right? He is eternal. We are not. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And only through him we receive eternal life and salvation. It's not through Washington. It's not through the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or the government or the laws or anything like that. It is solely through Christ, the true everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Because that's the next title, Prince of Peace. Isaiah wraps this up in verse 6. Prince of Peace. And Again, I come back to this the sermon that I'm preaching on tomorrow, and and I'm looking at it in just awe and wonder that as we kick off this Advent season, and we are kind of knee deep in the uh, the end of the world text, um, I, I come back to this this notion that Christ is still sovereign; He is still the Prince of Peace, and in a world filled with war and violence. It's difficult, though, to see this, right? That he can be all-powerful, and he can be all-knowing, and he can be the hand that moves through history. But yet, that is that is exactly how it happens, right? Because even in the midst of our struggles, our pains, our worries, our fears, the wars and the famines, the plagues, the riots, the epidemics, COVID, whatever it is that's going on in the world. Christ is still sovereign and he is still working his hand to bring himself glory. And and I was, I've had this conversation with a few people lately and, and I kind of keep coming back to this, that he 
will bring all things to to himself for glory. Christ will do all things and only all things for the glory of himself. And so in these moments that we may experience a loss or um, we may know somebody who might have passed away from whatever the case may be, right? It could be COVID, it could be cancer, it could be anything. Whatever, whatever our hardship faces, God is using those moments to bring himself glory. And, and I know that sounds cruel, but hear me out. When we face our darkest moments as Christians, we can grieve and be sorrowful and upset and troubled, and that's okay. Emotions are normal. But at the same time, we can cling to the hope and promise that we have in Christ Jesus. And in those moments, we can even comfort others who are experiencing the same grief that we are. And it gives us the perfect opportunities to share the gospel with others. Or if we know somebody who's grieving and experiencing hardship, that gives us the ability to share with them the hope and love that is Christ Jesus. And even if we may not um, get that person or that person may not become a believer, that could have a ripple effect down the road. Somebody else two generations down the road could become a believer because of that one moment or because something else happened. And there's so many things, right, of, I mean, you can go on and on and on with this, right? Uh, a young person may pass away and that grieving family may say, you know what, let's, uh, I want their, their organs to be donated. And so that donation may save the life of somebody else who may have lost faith. And you may never know that person, but you saved somebody else. And, and again, the ripple effect continues. And so I'm just using these as very small points, but either way, amidst all the war and tur- tur- turmoil in this world, Christ is still the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and is often used in reference uh, to an appearance of calm and tranquility of individuals or groups. The Greek word um, I'm going to butcher this, so bear with me. Irene, Irene, Irene means unity and accords. So if you can pronounce that, please send me a voice message and tell me that I'm completely wrong. Paul uses this to describe the objective of the New Testament church, but the deep and more foundational meaning of peace is spiritual harmony brought on by the individual's restoration with God. Interestingly enough, because I love how it gives this definition here on the word peace, Paul writes in the book of Romans that we at all costs are to be at peace with one another. And that to me is the beautiful promise that the gospel gives us that without Christ, we have no peace. Without Jesus, we are in this world dead. We have no hope. We have no no life preserver. There's no life jacket, no parachute. There's no CPR to save us. You are dead as a doornail. In fact, I use this analogy, and R.C. Sproul uses this analogy. You are so dead that your body is laying at the bottom of the deepest trench in the ocean. Dead. And it is only through Christ that he will come down into that trench and pull you out, throw you on the shore, and give you life. And it is only through Christ that in this world of, of turmoil, of troubles, of suffering, of chaos, calamity, that we can have peace. 
and it's funny because everybody's all up in arms and COVID's a big example this year. COVID this, COVID that. And I get people, I get it. I've had family members who have had COVID and they have beaten it and praise be to God. And I, and my heart breaks if you know people who have lost their lives to COVID. It's not something to joke around or mess around with, but I will tell you this because of Christ, I have peace. And whatever the good Lord is going to do with me, for me, and through me, I know that it will be okay in the end. But Christ's sacrifice, this is what provides us more of eternal peace. Because now that just adds to the cushion for the Christian. It allows us to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit, the helper who is promised to us in John 16. And, 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 and really with this, right, because of what Christ has done, the forgiveness of our sins, the promise of resurrected life, of eternal life, this world literally is just a blink. It's a stop in this long pilgrimage, right? We are journeying through this life as pilgrims. And this is the truck stop to the next life. <laughs> and because of the title Prince of Peace, we have his peace that exceeds all understanding. And I can sit and record this episode and just rest knowing that no matter what happens in this world, my king, my God, has already been there, has already paved a way. He already knows what's going to happen. He already has gone ahead of me. And therefore, why should I worry? Why should I fear? Why should I lose sleep over things that I literally have no control over? Jesus asks us, you know, if the birds of the air are provided with food and shelter, why do we worry about it? Why do we worry about what tomorrow is going to bring? I'll tell you what, as I record this episode, I have potentially big news coming tomorrow. This is a Saturday night, November 28th. I have big news coming on the 29th. There's a small bit of me that fears what that news is. Well, it's either yay or nay, right? I can't really give too much detail. I don't try not to give too much detail yet. Um, but, uh, there is, the, the news will be yes or no. And if you, you'll probably, obviously, by the time you hear this episode, will have known what that news is. But either way, as I sit here and record it, there's a bit of part of me that is telling me the news that it will be no. And that is a bit of fear in me. But as I record this episode, I'm renewed and refreshed that whatever the decision is, it is by God's sovereign hand that I am where I'm at and he will put me where he needs to put me. And I have peace with that. And if he puts me in and, and what happens tomorrow uh, happens and I hope it does, then I can rejoice and be glad. But even if it doesn't go in my favor, I can rejoice and be happy because I will know that whatever God is calling me to, it is for his glory and to bring him all of the glory. And that is what I can rest in. And so, you know, I, I wanted to look at these titles. Um, again, there's so many more titles. This can be, and you know what? I, and, I, and I think we will. I think we will go through a series on the names of Christ, uh, names of God. 
And we'll do an extensive deep dive study on that uh, at some point. I have a lot of things in my head on how I want to take this show now. Um, I do want to go verse by verse through the Bible. That will be our um, second series here next up. Because uh, next, after we do eschatology, um, my wife gave me this really good idea. We're going to take a short glimpse at some of the lesser known uh, books of the Bible and characters of the Bible. And we're going to do a little series on those, probably maybe four weeks long. I haven't really decided the total length, but we'll do a little series on that and give context and um, perspectives around those. And then I think we will start in the New Testament or the Old. I haven't decided yet. Maybe we'll put that up to the listeners and let them uh, do a poll. But then we'll go section by section through the Bible. And we'll just kind of go over text and talk about it and uh, and dig into that. So we'll probably looking about the show decreasing to maybe 30 minutes at that juncture. I don't know, depending on the uh, text that we're in. So... Ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of tonight's episode. Again, next Friday is the Christmas episode, and we will be celebrating with Chris from Ezra Reads the Law, and we will be um, rejoicing and joyful in that celebration of Christ. I'm very excited for it. Um, We have yet to record it, but we are in deep planning stages. We have a lot on tap And I hope that uh, it will be one like you've never heard before. So, well, you probably heard it before because I'm sure you've read the Christmas narrative before. So, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think it'll be a great episode, guys. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever you listen to this episode in the morning and the evening. Um, I am greatly honored and greatly blessed that you have given me your ear for 45 minutes. And uh, with that, I'm signing off. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. God bless. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.